If you're new with us, my name's Johnny Pereira. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Salem Chapel. If you're watching us online, it's so great uh, to have you here as well. And you made a good decision to be at church today. Um, as Grace said, we've been in this new series entitled Abide. But I, in saying that, I want you to think more about this series as something that started last week and is going to end in the middle of October. I really want you to view it as something that is an opportunity for you to view your relationship with Jesus in a fresh way. Because rehab, as I said last week, we've been working over the last 18 months really to be able to share with you what we're going to share with you today and over the next four weeks on how we as a church help you abide in Jesus. Because in reality, that's what the church is supposed to do, is to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And we know that, but the question is, well, I want to do that, I have a desire to do that, but I don't know how to do it. And so the worst thing that we could possibly do is tell you how to do something and not show you how to do it, right? That's the most frustrating thing that someone can do. Hey, you need to do this. You're not doing this right, you need to do this. And they just keep telling you that over and over again, but they never show you how to do it. That's the most frustrating thing. How many of you have ever had that happen to you? Raise your hand. Yeah, all of us, right? Maybe it's your parents. Uh, maybe it's your spouse. Like someone said spouse. Now, dude, that was, I think that was a dude. So that was very foolish of you. Just to let you know. That was, that was, that was not a good play. I hope your spouse is not here today. But, but maybe... Maybe the forgiveness of Jesus will pour over you this afternoon. <laughs> but we're going to talk about how to abide. And we're really going after that being the culture of this church. And the word abide is a significant word, as Gray just mentioned. We defined it this way. Abide is walking hand in hand with Jesus as he leads the way. So if you're a guy here today, and as I said last week, you're like, man, the idea of holding somebody's hand, like, just doesn't, you know, scream masculine, like, vibes to me. Well, there's a reason why I chose to define it that way. Actually, the, the, the Greek word, the New Testament was written in Greek. The word means to remain, to commune, to be in relationship with. And so as I said this last week, and you're going to hear me say it again and again and again, if that's you guys then that's the perfect opportunity for you to say, no, 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 part of abiding is me humbling myself and admitting the greatest thing for my masculinity, if that's something that you like to bow your chest out, the greatest thing with your masculinity is for you to, to exercise humility and understand you're not strong enough to live this life on your own. Or that could be true for you ladies, I don't know, but the reality is, is what we are going after is to help you to walk hand in hand with Jesus, not you leading the way, not you, you kicking and screaming as he leads the way, but hand in hand, step in step. So John 15, verses 5, 7, and 8, I just want to bring ourselves back to this. We're not going to teach this again today. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go to our YouTube channel, you can go to our website, you can watch it from last week. But at the same time, I want this passage of Scripture to really frame in everything that we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks. So John 15, 5 says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the vine. I'm the life source. 
You are the branches. So you need to be connected to me, not looking at me needing to be connected to you. No, I'm the vine. I'm the life source. You need me. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Like the Lord's plan for your life is fruitfulness. Like he wants you to experience fruitfulness and success and and influence in people's lives and making a difference. Like that's what he wants for you. He wants you to bear much fruit. And then he says this, for apart from me you can do nothing. Like I can have nothing of eternal value to contribute in this life, in other people's lives, if I'm not connected to the life source. And then he says in verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. That's what we're gonna focus on this morning. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We'll talk about that next week. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove or show that you're my disciples, that you believe in me, that you're following me. So here's the question that I want to answer over the next four weeks, and we'll start answering it today. How do you abide in Jesus? That's the question I want to ask. And we're going to give you practical ways, practical tools that we are going to put in your hand that you can use in your own relationship with Jesus so that you can move your mediocre faith to a life-giving, abiding relationship with Jesus. Because that's what he wants for you. So here's the title of the message this morning. You're going to know this very well if you call this place your home. Before I give it, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It'll be on the screen as well, but if you have a Bible, I want you to turn there. Here's the title of the message this morning. I'm going to ask you to help me out with this title because you know it well. When God's word is open, his mouth is open. That's the title of the message today. Here's the idea that I want you to get this morning. If you're to walk away with one thing, here's what I want it to be if you're taking notes. You are abiding in Jesus. You know you're doing that when you are reading his words to you. Johnny, I want to abide. I know I need to abide, but I don't know how to do it. We're going to help you with that today. Because you're abiding in Jesus when you are reading his words to you. Why do I say that? Once again, John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this. All scripture is breathed out by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. So I read it, but I I want us to notice something. Just say out loud with me, what's the very, keep the scripture up there, what's the very first word of these two verses? Say it with me with confidence. Good. Actually, overachievers, you gave me two words. Say it once again, what's the first word? Just say it one more time. Just one more time for me. All, all scripture. Not just the ones that I like, not just the ones that I understand, not just the ones that I remember. All scripture. What scripture? The Bible. And this scripture is what? It's breathed out by God. 
So in other words, the way that we need to think about it, when I said the one thing that I want you to walk out with today is you're abiding in Jesus when you're reading his words to you. Why do I say when you're reading his words to you? Because it says here that all of the Bible is breathed out by God. John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, capital W, speaking of Jesus. Jesus is the word. The word was with God. The word was God. So I am reading Jesus' words to me when I'm reading the Bible. Now think about this. When you speak, like you've talked to people this morning already, some of you, you're not, some of you are not morning people, so you're like, hey, give me like 30 minutes before you even speak to me. But most of you have probably spoken to someone this morning. Maybe it's someone that, you know, that greeted you when you came in the doors this morning. Maybe it's your spouse as you drove here. Maybe it's a friend, whatever it is. You've talked to someone this morning. So your words are you breathed. Now, Hopefully you brushed your teeth, you used some mouthwash, you know, you popped in a mint after you had your coffee this morning, so that that can be a pleasant experience when you breathe out your words to someone. But your words are you breathed, like you are giving them, you are breathing out. Sometimes they can be good, sometimes they cannot be good. That's the idea. All of scripture is breathed out by God. These are Jesus' words to you and me. And it's of utmost importance to understand that what makes this Bible different than your favorite novel that you got on your iPad or on your shelf or that book that you're studying in college or high school or junior high or whatever it may be, the thing that makes this different than a textbook, than a novel, than a book that bores you to death that you remember you'll never read again, whether that's, you know, great expectations or whatever else it is like that you had to read in school, the thing that makes this different than any other book is you can't see, say that any other book is breathed out by God. That's what makes this different. That is what motivates me to want to listen to this. Because according to the Bible, this is breathed out by God. Now here's what today's not. Today's not apologetics. Like how can we look at evidence that exists on why this book is different than any other book? And I think that's good because we don't need to throw our brains in a trash can and say, well, some people don't believe that the Bible is God's word. And I get that. But that's not my purpose today is to give you all the different things. Let me just say this. In the New Testament, the New Testament, Matthew through Revelation, there's 27,000 manuscripts Greek manuscripts of just the New Testament. The first, the oldest, goes back to 100 AD. The last book in the Bible was written in 90 AD. Of those 27,000 manuscripts, 99% of all of those agree with one another. And the 1% doesn't even affect, like, what we believe about Jesus, what we believe about God, none of that. So think about it. If I was to whisper to Carlene here in the front row, and by the time it got back to the sound booth, and I whispered in her ear, and I gave her a little fact, by the time it went back to that sound booth, would it be the same? Probably not. You ever play that game? 
But you've got over 2,000 years, 27,000 manuscripts, and 99% of them agree and don't contradict one another. That is a sign that God has preserved his word. Now, if you want to know more about that, here's a book. Handbook of Christian Apologetics, I got it on my shelf, Peter Kreeft and Ronald Ticelli. If you want to know more about that, then you can see me after. That's not the purpose of today, but at the same time, I want to say that it doesn't mean that if we believe this, we've got to throw our brains into a trash can. Here's what I want to do this morning from 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. I want to show you four ways that Jesus' words are good for you. And allow God's word to tell us that. Like, not me, but just to take 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 and say, okay, so why are Jesus' words, why is the Bible good for me? Why do I need it? Why is it important in my life? And then we're going to share with you our Bible reading tool and how it can help you Get into God's word on your own. Here's the first way. Jesus' words are good for you in the first way. This number one, Jesus' words tell you what is right. Now, why do I say that? Look at what it says. All scripture is breathed out by God, but then it says it's profitable. Like it's good. That's, that literally means it's good for you. Well, what's it good for? It's good for teaching. That word teaching just literally means instructions about God, like who God is, and instruction on how to live your life. Like, it, it's good in the sense that it shows you, man, what's right, what's true? What's the way that I need to go? I mean, I know we live in a society that absolute truth is like such a taboo thing. But according to God's word, it says, no, 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 God's word's a good thing. It shows you what's right. It shows you how to experience God's best for you. What's another way that it's good? Look at what else it says. It says it's profitable for reproof. Jesus' words tell you what is not right. So it just doesn't tell you what's right, but it also helps to tell you what's not right. Because if you're like me, sometimes I just don't need to be reminded about what is right or what is true, but I need to also be shown how I'm believing something that's not right. How I'm being deceived into thinking that this is right when it's not right, because what does it say? It says it's profitable for reproof. That word literally means to refute, to rebuke, to convict. Aren't you glad that you have people in your life? Like, you know you've got good friends when they just don't tell you what you want to hear. You know you've got good friends when they just don't agree with everything that you say, but you're like, oh, oh you need to check up here. You need to stop here. I think your thinking's a little off here. Like, you don't want to do that. Like, I've been down that road. That's a poor choice. Like, learn from my mistakes. Like, those are good friends. If you have those friends in your life, you are blessed. Well, what God's word is saying is his words help you in times when you're starting to stray and go off in a different direction that he wants you to go. And man, when I open up God's word, you ever have that? Or you're sitting and you're listening to someone else share God's word and you're like, man, I feel conviction. And I'm seeing right now that the way that I'm living is not the right way. That's an act of God's grace. Why? Because Jesus wants you not just to know what's right, but Jesus' words also want to help you know what isn't right. And then when you know what isn't right, look at what it says. It says it's profitable for correction. That word literally means to 
straighten out. See, Jesus' words not just tell you what is right, what's not right, but Jesus' words tell you how to get right. What did I say? One of the most frustrating things in the world is someone to tell you to do something they don't show you how to do it. Well, here's what Jesus' words do. They tell you how to get right. They tell you how to straighten things out. Man, over here, I've kind of gone my own way. I've gotten a little crooked, so to speak, off on my own thing. Well, how do I even get back on the right path? Well, God's word tells us that. Jesus' words tell us that. They tell us how to get right. And then here's what else they do, the fourth thing. Jesus' words tell you how to stay right. Because it just doesn't say it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, but it says it's profitable for training in righteousness. Like that word training has the idea of how you grow, how you build, how you get stronger. And so Jesus' words actually help me know how I can stay right, how I can grow in my relationship with him, how I can experience fruitfulness in my life, how I can experience joy in my life. See, oftentimes we view the Bible as just a book that tells us what not to do. And that's only part of it, right? Jesus' words, no, 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 they're good. They're profitable. They're meant for us to experience his best. And so when Jesus says in John 15, no, 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 I want, I want you to abide in me and my words to abide in you. Why? Because they tell you what's right. They tell you what's not right. They tell you how to get right and they tell you how to stay right. And what's the purpose of all this? Look at verses 16 and 17 again. You see verse 17 starts with the word that. And whenever you're reading the Bible and you see the phrase so that or that, then all of a sudden that ought to cause your mind to perk up a little bit. And you're like, okay, here's the purpose of everything that was said. So what Paul is doing who wrote 2 Timothy saying, this is what God's word is, but here's why Here's how, here's the motivation for why that's significant in your life. What does he say? He says that you may be complete, equipped for every good work. You feeling ill-equipped today? Man, I just feel like I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm always making the wrong choice. I feel like... I'm just wandering around in circles. Well, if we believe what Jesus is saying in his word, he's saying, here's, why God, here's my words, God's words are good to you. That they're gonna make you complete, equipped for every good work. That word complete or equip, I should say equip means this, it means fitted. It's actually a really cool word. It means fitted. Like the idea of, you know, it, you know, as you've been reading God's word and you've been in God's word and the longer and longer that you do that, you have begin to grow in knowing how God's word fits into a particular situation that you're living in. It literally, equip has the idea of something that isn't too tight, but it's like, man, it fits just right. Right, so, so those of you who know me, you know I like shoes, right? You know, it's, it, it's something that I like, and don't judge me, because you like other things too. So, like you may love guns, and you've got a million of them. Well, 
I'm not judging you, so. But I like shoes. Now, I've had times in my life where I'm like, there's a pair of shoes, and I'm like, man, I really like those shoes, and sometimes I'll sell shoes to get other shoes, and, and I'll be like, man, I really like those shoes, but ah, they only have a, I wear a size 12, and they're like, ah, it's a size 11, and I'm like, man, I really like those shoes. I think I can squeeze my feet into a size 11 and just wear them off to flex a little bit and then take them off because my feet are hurting me. Like I can wear them for an hour. So everybody like, ooh, you got those shoes. But you know, the whole time, I, and I've done this before, is I'm like, oh, let me squeeze my, fit, my, my foot into a size 11 and let me endure. But none of that is a pleasant experience. None of it. Why? Because my foot doesn't fit in that shoe. Because it's not my size. If you're like, I'm not into a shoe person. Well, we could go and think about that pair of pants that hangs in your closet that's like your favorite pair of pants and you're like most of us and you're like, man, I've gained a little weight in COVID. But you're like, you love that pair of pants. And so you put on that pair of pants and what are you doing? I think I can get that button to button. I think I can make it. <sighs> right? But you get that thing to button and it ain't a pleasant experience for as long as you have those pants on, right? See, oftentimes in life, what do we do with God's word? God's word is telling us what fits in our life. What is right? What's not right? How to stay right? How to get right? But we're like, no, 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 no. I know how to make God's word fit into my life. I wanna do this and I know it ain't jiving with anything anyone else or the Bible is telling me to do, but I wanna make it fit. And you know this, I've done it in my life. It's never a pleasant experience. See, when I'm looking at God's word the way that the Lord wants me to look at it, what it's saying is, is what begins to happen is I begin to experience, man, more wholeness. Like, man, I know life's not easy, but I feel more equipped to deal with it because I know how to take God's word and make my life fit into it rather than try to make God's word fit into what I want to do. That's the idea of equipped for every good work. So here's what I want to do in the time left. I want to just answer this question. How do you, how do I read the Bible? Because if it, all of us have had the experience, right? Someone tells you to read it and then you're like, okay, I'm gonna read this Bible and what do you say? Good gracious, I have no idea what I read and I'm freaking bored to tears. Especially if no one gives you a heads up that Leviticus probably ain't the best place to start. <laughs> right, we've all felt that way. Yeah, they tell me, you know, read, read the good book, need to read the Bible, but I, don't, I have no idea where to start. I don't know how to do it. Well, listen to me. The leadership here, myself here at Salem Chapel, the elders here, it would be sinful for us not to help you answer that so you know how to do it. So you know what we've done? We've put together a Bible reading tool. If you're already a part of Life Group, you already had a first experience of that. If you got one of these uh, journals last week, inside it has a Bible reading tool. We actually got inside of the journal, you can pick up one of these if you didn't at the end of the service today. There's a card in there that even tells you how to go through it, but I'm actually just gonna walk through this, all right? So let's, let's start out. What do I do before I even open up the Bible? 
What do I do? Here's the first thing that you do. Just start out praying. And can I just say, this is what I do. Right, so it's not like you've got to have a PhD in theology to be able to read the Bible. But you know what I do? I'm like, Lord, you know what I'm going through right now. Can you just help whatever I'm reading to be able to speak to how I act and how I need to act in that situation? What do I need to remember about you? Whatever it is, God, would you just show me from your word today? Why do we say, why do I say that? Because what do we say? When God's word is open is what? His mouth is open. So I don't pray, God, would you speak? I'm like, Lord, would you just help me listen as I read your words to me? So that's where you start out. Secondly, let me just encourage you. If you're like, man, I don't know where to start. We have these little cards. It's, it's, it's Salem Chapel's Bible reading. So it gives you passages of scripture that you can read throughout the week that coincide with what we're gonna be talking on. And so we're doing that with this series. We're gonna do that when we walk through the book of John after this series to be able to help you because you're like, I don't know where to start. So we're gonna give you passage of scripture that we're gonna talk about so that you can read it and you can be like, man, I didn't understand that. And then you come on Sunday, you're like, oh, okay. Now I see what, how this makes sense. But you start out praying. Here's the first question we need to ask when we're reading God's word. What is God saying in the passage that I read? So if we're to take 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, and we just read that, if I'm reading that in my own time with the Lord on my own, the first question I need to ask, and we have this in our little journal, is what is God saying in the passage that I read? Why is that question important? Because what did I say earlier? I, I am often tempted to make the passage of Scripture say what I want it to say. Like, God, I want to make your word fit into what I want to do. But when I ask that question, God, what are you saying in the passage that I read? And even the reason why we worded that question that way is because what you saw in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is breathed out by God. So, God, you're speaking. So what are you saying in the passage that I read? Now, here's what I mean by that. First of all, You've heard me say this before. I think it's good to have a pen in your hand when you're reading the Bible. Because here's what you're doing. You're looking at words like, that stick out to you. And you circle those things. Oh, that's interesting. That stuck out to me. Well, there's a reason why it stuck out to you. Maybe that's what God wants you to remember. So you circle those things. Phrases, maybe things that repeat over and over again. Remember John 15? 11 times the word abide is mentioned. Maybe you circle that word. I say this as well. It's not gospel. It's not like you have to do it. But every Bible, I think it's good to write in the margins, write somewhere. So this is, this is my Bible that I use. And I'm not putting this up to make much of myself. But this is what my Bible looks like. So it's highlighted. Things are circled. Like I've written in the margins. I've even put dates by some of those things that have, so that when I read it again, I can remember later on. Like I'm just giving you what I do. So here's some ways that you're like, man, I still don't know like how to, if I've never done this before, what is God saying in the passage I read? Like, okay, I circle some words and you're like, okay, I circled words, I boxed words, I underlined things. Like, what do I do with that? Here's some questions maybe to ask to help you under this main question of what is God saying in the passage that you read? Where do I see God's promises in what I read? Like, is there a promise here? Like, maybe that's what God is wanting me to remind myself. Here's a promise, that the word of God makes you complete, equipped for every good work. So if I'm reading this on my own, I'm like, there's a promise. Let me write that down. 
Maybe it's where do I see God's presence in what I read? Well, where's God's presence found? Man, all scriptures breathed out by God. These are Jesus' words to me. Like, breathed out. I mean, I don't even understand what that means, but that's, that's sticking out to me. Where do I see God's power in what I read? Well, where's God's power in verses 16 and 17? Man, it's profitable. It's good. This is what it'll do in you. That's what we mean by what is God saying in the passage I've read, and we put those questions, and it's, it's on this card if you pick up one of those journals afterwards that you can use as a guide in how you read God's word. Now, let me say this. You could do this in your own time with the Lord and answer this first question, and you know what oftentimes happens when we're reading God's word? That's where we stop. Oh, I got some cool stuff from God's word today. Oh, scriptures breathed out by God. I need to be reminded of that today. And we stop right there. What's the danger in that? Because if we're just assembling a bunch of facts, we're not treating the Bible any different than an atheist would treat the Bible. Like we're just looking at it as another ancient book that we're wanting to know about, right? It's no different than me studying Shakespeare in college and it'd be like, okay, let me know about Shakespeare. I don't give a rip how it applies to my life. I'm just studying it. So it's not just enough to answer this first question, what is God saying in the passage that I read? Though it's important, we need to know what the Bible is saying, but we move on to this next question. Because it's so important to understand this. As you're, write this down, this phrase. As you are reading God's word, you know what God's word is doing? It's reading you. It's reading you. Because Jesus knows what you're experiencing this week. Jesus knows what you experienced last month. Jesus knows what you're having trouble forgiving. Jesus knows where you're struggling to have faith. So as you're reading God's word, God's word is reading you. The Holy Spirit's working. And he wants to take his word and apply it to the situation in your life right now. Remember what Revelation 3.20 last week? Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He's knocking on your life and he says, I want you to let me in. And when you let me in, man, we can fellowship together. That's what we want God's word to be. We want it to be, man, Lord, I feel like when I read this, it spoke exactly to what I'm living right now. So here's the second question. How is the Holy Spirit making what I read personal in my life today? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Believe that he lived and died and rose again for your sins, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And his words are good. Hebrews 4.12 says this, the word of God is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the divisions of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Like God's word, man, it can get right to the heart of the issue. I've had that happen so many times in my life where it's ministered to me, it's helped me with fears, it's helped me with shame. 
It's helped me be rebuked and being like, man, I have messed up, but I thank the Lord that his grace is greater than my sin. Like it goes right to where I need it. So why are we asking that second question? Because we need to take what God said and say, okay, Lord, this is what you said, but how is that personal How do I take your word and make it personal in my life today? Where is the Holy Spirit taking your word and making it applicable to what I'm experiencing right now? Here's some questions. Is there a lie I'm believing? Like, is there something that God's word is showing me that I'm not seeing? Is he inviting me to understand that my identity is defined by his love for me, not by anything else? Like, right? So here's some Here's some questions, and these are on this card. So if you're like, man, I can't write fast enough. Under the second question to just help guide you in answering that main question, man, Lord, how do I make this personal in my life today? How about this question? Given my present circumstances, how are you shepherding me, caring for me from what I read in this passage? It's a great question to get your mind thinking. Here's another question. What am I, ex- what am I experiencing in my heart as you're reminding me that you're with me. And in what I'm reading, like we could even do this with 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Lord, I, I haven't opened up my Bible in so long and I've been feeling so empty. So you know what, how the Holy Spirit's making personal what I read today? Man, I just need to get back into God's word. I need to get back, maybe start in a reading plan. That's what we're meaning. Here's another question that we oftentimes don't emphasize enough. How was my body responding to God's comfort and peace? You ever find like you're so stressed? When you're stressed out, do you find that you're so tense, right? I had an awesome experience on Friday. I got a massage. It's amazing. I didn't start getting massages till like last year. Because I was like, dude, the idea of someone touching me that I don't know, like is gonna make me more tense. And then I had our first couple massage and I was like, what have I been missing in my life for 40 years? And so what is, what is happening? Man, you ever, you're stressed, you're tense, you clench your jaw, right? And sometimes, man, when you open up God's word, man, how's my body responding to what I read? feel less tense, less clenched. What's happening? Man, the Holy Spirit's using his word to minister to you. Lord, how are you making this personal in my life today? How am I taking the text of scripture and putting it, and how is the Holy Spirit putting it in the right context in my life? Here's the third question, and this is such an important question. Because you can spend time on the first two questions and still miss the boat. Here's the third question. Where do I need to be obedient today from what I read? Remember what I said? When God's word is open, God's mouth is open. So God's going to speak when his word is open. God's speaking to you right now. Not because of something I'm saying even right now, but we're talking about God's word. We're reading God's word together. So it's not a matter of God, you're... Maybe you're not going to speak. No, no, no. It's, Lord, I, I need to listen so that I can obey. See, believing something doesn't mean you're just accumulating knowledge. 
You want to know if you're really believing something, whatever it is, look at the pattern of your life. Look at how you live your life, and how you live your life will show you what you believe. So we got to move past this idea that the more Bible studies that I'm in, the more Bible books that I read, the more podcasts that I listen to, the more YouTube sermons I listen to, that somehow that's just going to automatically make me more spiritual in my relationship with the Lord. I'm not saying any of those things are bad. I'm not saying knowledge is bad. But if I don't ask myself, Lord, how does that apply to what I'm living today and where do I need to be obedient to it, it does nothing. I've used this illustration before. Dude, I can put P90X and watch all 90 days of it while I'm eating potato chips and dip on my couch. And you know what I'm gonna find? I ain't looking like any of those pictures that they show at the end of those 90 days. Why? Because all I've done is watched it. Oh, yeah, I'm familiar with that exercise now. Yeah, there's, that, there's Tony, whatever his name is, doing pull-ups again. But I haven't lifted a finger. I've been obedient to what I've had. And so many times we approach the Bible that way. Oh, yeah, listen to another message. Oh, yeah, I was in church again. But you never walk out and you say, man, how do I make that obedient in my life today? See, the Holy Spirit always gives us the opportunity to obey or disobey. God's not going to make you do something. You have a free will. So here's what I advise you to do when you're thinking through this third question. First of all, make it personal, whatever it is. Like maybe there's a question that you feel like he's asking you, and you don't have the answer to it yet, but you're just like, you know what, I need to pray and I think over that question. Maybe there's something specific that, man, you know what he wants you to do, and you're like, boom, I'm already at the third question. I had to spend five minutes in this. Make it personal. Make it practical. How do I practically apply this to my life today? So if I'm reading this passage of Scripture in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, me answering that third question is like, yep, I need to read the Bible more. I've answered the third question. No, no, no. That's not practical enough. What it would mean is, is Lord, I'm gonna, I feel like I've wandered away from being in your word, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be in your word four days out of this week. Now, I'm not giving you something prescriptive right now, but should it be seven? Yeah, of course, but you know, I also wanna bench 400 pounds, but that ain't gonna happen right now. But make it practical. Maybe it's a verse and you're like, I was reading God's word a, a, few, a few weeks ago um, in John 1 and this in particular stood out to me and I was really struggling with just have, being positive and thinking right about a situation and I was just getting consumed by all a bunch of what ifs and I read in John 1, 1 that the light overcomes the darkness. And I, and I literally wrote in my journal, Lord, I'm gonna remind me of that phrase. I'm gonna recite that phrase in my mind when I start feeling those doubts and those what ifs overwhelm me. That's what we mean, be practical. And here's the last thing, make it urgent. When are you gonna be obedient? Oh, I need to be in God's word more. If we were reading this passage of scripture on our own, well, when are you gonna start? In a month, no. Make it urgent. I want you to see a video of someone in our church so you can hear from someone and how this Bible reading tool, how God's word 
has helped them in their own journey with Jesus. Look at the screen. I expected to hear from God at church, mostly from who was preaching. I would get started in a devotional and I would get bored with it or it just didn't pertain to me. It was three or four days and I was like, well, that's not my situation. And then I would quit. And, you know, reading the Bible was really difficult for me. Um, I wanted to read, but I didn't know where to read. I didn't know what to read. And when I started with a Bible reading tool, I had to I had to totally teach myself how to read again. And I stopped putting pressure on myself to read this many chapters, or I had to get this done, or I had to read before I went to bed, or I had to do this, and it, I, just, I just threw all that out the window. I started reading in 2 Samuel, and I was actually reading in the middle of it, where um, Absalom had done all these things, and you know he had to leave the kingdom, and David was just heartbroken because he loved his son, but he couldn't take him back, and it was like I didn't get anything out of it. I was like, okay. So I said, okay, I'll just think about it. I'm just going to think about it. And I went for a run, came back. The whole time I was running, I was thinking about what I had read. And I, but the main thing I was thinking about that in my conversation with Lori, um, I kind of shared my story with her. And sometimes when I tell my story to other people, I worry that I shouldn't have said that to Lori. I shouldn't have told her about that. And I was just going through all this in my head. And all of a sudden, I remembered It just popped into my head when Absalom came to David and he was accepting him back into the kingdom and he said that he bowed down before his king and the king kissed him and took him back in forever. And right then God said, why are you worried about your story? I I came to him and I knelt down before him and like David, he kissed my head and was like, "It's, it's all forgiven forever. And that was probably like 11 o'clock at night. I mean, but it took all day for God to show me that. But He did, and I was so excited. I couldn't wait to call Lori the next morning and tell her that God spoke to me. I mean, it was great. I'm learning so much because I didn't put any pressure on myself to try to learn. I would just ask God to show me what you want for me today. Just show me what it is. And I can't wait to read my Bible every day. And I know that sounds silly, but I look forward to reading, you know, because I just do it so I can hear him talk to me and then I can talk to him. And even if he doesn't tell me something that's for me, he's telling it to me for somebody else. And that's happened so many times. One is is a person that I, that I train regularly. We meet every day. We have since COVID. She's not a believer. And So during this time, she had a lot of fearfulness and a lot of, you know, just anxiety. And so I asked her if she would read the book of John with me and just five verses, just five, six verses a day, nothing major, because that way that would help me be accountable to read and her and I could talk about it. So she has been reading every day with me and she's learning so much and Um, I'm so excited that she's asking questions about the Lord. And so that has been amazing. Who knows you better than God knows you? You know, I mean, devotionals are great. And I, I, I still read some. And, but nobody knows what you're going through today like God does. I, I guess being the person that always wanted man to feed me, I wanted you know, the preacher to, you know, somebody, give me something, tell me what to read, just tell me to do it and I'll do it. It's like all these years, 
the, the one who wrote it all, the one who spoke it all, he's the one I wasn't going to. So that was so silly. Like now, he just tells me what I need because it's his word. So why wouldn't I just go to him? And it just made perfect sense. So it's just been across the board, such a blessing. It's been so amazing. Here's what I want you to know. Jesus wants you to abide with him. And the way that you begin to abide with him is by taking time to read his words to you. And so we got these journals that are at the Welcome Center. If you want to pick one up, man, I encourage you to do so if you haven't already. Like I said, there's this card inside that will tell you, you know, how to, as a guide to help you if you don't know where to start. And I want to encourage you to do that. If you don't have the money for the journal or $10, if you don't have the money, then you just tell them, hey, Johnny told me that it was okay for me to take one. I'm serious on that. We also got these that I would love to, you to take at the Welcome Center, these little magnets that you can put on your fridge, wherever is magnetic, and it has these three questions to help remind you how to read the Bible. So you can have a story like Felicia's. Felicia's no one special, I'm no one special, none of us are special. But man, let's see God's word for what it is. Man, it's Jesus's words to you. Lord, I thank you today for the opportunity to just remind us of how unique the Bible is. And yeah, there's parts of it that we don't understand. God, that's true of me. There's parts of it where we can't be definitive and and we're like, man, I'm not sure what that says. But God, they're your words to us. And so Lord, let us not be intimidated because we don't know where to start, but let us now be able to see. Now Now there's a way. It's not the only way, but here's a way that Salem Chapel is helping me open up that door so that I can have fellowship and relationship and be complete, be equipped for every good work. Lord, we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.